Today we're going to continue our series on warrior marriage. I want you guys to grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to read verses 9 through 12 to get into this. Two can accomplish more than twice as much as one, for the results can be much better. If one falls, the other pulls him up. But if a man falls when he is alone, he is in trouble. Also on a cold night, two under the same blanket gain warmth from each other. But how can one be warmed alone? And one standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better and stronger, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. Thank you so much for your presence in this room. It has been felt over and over and over again for two years. And Father, thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, I don't know why, but it always surprises me how powerful you are and when you show up. And God, I just thank you. I thank you so much for allowing myself, my family, and the leadership of this church and this congregation to be a small part of your church, your church, Father. We just praise you for even, we're humbled that you would even give us that opportunity. And Father, we mean what we say today. The evil one does not stand a chance with us because we know that you're with us. I have no doubt about that. <clears throat> your presence is strong. Father, again, I praise you for that. Father, today you've given me a message. You have been really working on me with this marriage series. And Father, today I'm asking you, I'm asking you that you would give me direction. Father, I, I studied for this sermon quite a bit, but if there's another direction that you want me to go, Father, you just show that to me. I'm going to stand firm with what you've given me because that's how I feel. I feel that you've given me that, you, you've given me that authority to, to stay with this sermon. But Father, again, I don't care if I'm halfway through it. If you need me to say something else, you tell me. So in this moment, Father, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I ask that you take all pride, selfishness, anger, confusion, distraction, doubt, Father, none of that is of you. I ask that you take it away from me and you replace it with your love, your confidence, Father, your boldness, and your breath. I claim these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. The last two weeks we've discussed the purpose of marriage. <coughs> the instruction on who we should marry, and the function of the marriage covenant. Today we're going to discuss the unity of marriage. As a pastor, I have officiated quite a few weddings now. And at some of these weddings, 
a lot of y'all know what I'm talking about. There's the unity candle, okay? For those of you that don't know what that is, it starts out, there's, a, there's a, usually a larger candle in the center, and there's two smaller ones on the outside, and these two are lit. And at some point in time in the ceremony, those two are blown out, and it is connected. You, you, the, the husband, the wife, the, the groom, and the bride light the one candle in the middle, and they call this a unity candle. When it's appropriate, and this has only happened to me once so far, but I have pulled that couple aside and have told them that that's not exactly accurate. There's a cord of three strands that you also see at weddings. That, to me, is more accurate. And what I mean by that is unity never means losing one's uniqueness. Unity does not mean uniformity. Unity does not mean sameness. Unity means openness, or excuse me, oneness of purpose. On a football team, okay, you've got, okay, Dallas Cowboys, right? Okay, because, you know, love Dallas Cowboys. All right, so there's 22 players on the football team, okay? 22 starters. There's actually like 54. 22 starters on the football team. 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Well, on the offensive side of the ball, you have the quarterback. You have Dak Prescott. You have running back, Zeke Elliott. And you have the offensive line. And so you got Zach Martin there, who's a beast. And then you've got C.D. Lamb out at receiver. Now, here's what I'm getting at. All of these guys are different. They're different sizes, shapes, speeds. They all have different gifts and talents. So they're all unique. But they're all going after the same goal. The marriage is no different. No different. It's also the same with the Trinity. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. They do not have the same roles in functioning to God's will, but they are always working in sync together to reach God's will. Y'all follow me? Same team, but uniqueness. Satan knows God's nature. God's nature is unity. He does not function in disunity. Jesus says this himself in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. There is nowhere else Satan wants to cause division than in the marriage covenant, because God's purpose of marriage is how he grows his kingdom. We discussed that a couple weeks ago. So I need you guys to understand all the fighting, the fussing, uh, all of that comes along with marriage from time to time. And this is something that I need you all to understand is theological and spiritual. It is not relational and personal. It is very normal. This is how Satan attacks. He's going to go for your marriage because that is the greatest thing that God has created in building his kingdom. You and your spouse do not have to be identical to make the unity of marriage work. In fact, if both of you were the same, one of you would not be necessary. I can, I can, I think about this like, again, here I am talking about the Cowboys, but let's say Amanda, my wife, liked the Cowboys as much as I did. Why y'all laugh at that? I'm still praying for that. (laughs) 
I just got, I prayed for your husband for 15 minutes and you're going to say that to me. God forgive her for she does not know what she does. But seriously, okay, so if Amanda did like the Cowboys as much as I did, it would be a major problem. My kids would get zero attention on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, think about it. So what I'm getting at is that difference that we have is actually making our family stronger because she allows me to watch the Cowboys. And in turn, she takes care of the kiddos. And well, sometimes, actually, man, let me tell you, sometimes them kiddos, man, I'll be watching Cowboys. What was it, that last two games ago or something like that that the Cowboys played? Like it was close, it was down the wire, and my kids were jumping all over me, and, and I was throwing stuff all over the room, and, and they wouldn't leave me alone. And I tried to warn them. I told them. I said, y'all don't understand. Dad's going to act different right now. Like y'all need to understand you're fixing to see a side of dad that is not pastor dad, okay? This is, this, is, this, is, this is Dallas Cowboy fan dad, right? So my kids were driving me insane. And, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't set the best example in that moment. In fact, uh, I remember Sadie. Sadie was building, she had, a, you know, those Jingas. Y'all know Jenga, the game Jenga? Is that what that is with the blocks and all? Is that my right? My right? Jenga? Okay. So she's building with these Jingas. She's got this little thing going. I didn't even know I did this. But when the Cowboys lost in the last seconds of the game, I smooth kicked that thing. <laughs> and Amanda was all mad at me, and I said, I tried to warn y'all. <laughs> Told you multiple times. Anyway, let's get past that. Sorry, Chase Squirrel. <laughs> the whole point of phys physical intimacy is that we are different. The differences are necessary for the physical reality to take place as it should in the marriage covenant. The differences are also necessary for the spiritual reality to take place as well. You're supposed to be different than your spouse. That's how God intended it to be. It's not a mistake that the reactions that come from a woman comes out of how she feels. A woman may just want the man to hear about her problem, but doesn't want the man to fix the problem. So it's also no mistake that the man wants to fix the problem, then he doesn't want to talk about it. Any men relate to that? Thank y'all for not leaving me out there all by myself on that one. <laughs> Women just want us to listen. We're going to get to that in a minute. One of my mentors, <laughs> one of my mentors one time, <laughs> and I ain't going to name any names, but Don told me this one time. <laughs> and him and Ann are watching right now. Ann going to be mad when she hears this, but... Don told me one day, he said, Micah, I have found the secret of marriage. A happy life and a happy marriage. I said, Don, really? I said, well, so what is that? And he said, what you got to do is, is, is twice a week, you and your wife go to dinner and get a glass of wine. I said, man, that's awesome. I said, well, so when do we need to do that? And he said, I don't know. He said, I go on Tuesday, she goes on Friday. <laughs> And I'm kidding, Don didn't tell me that. Don't hurt him. <laughs> I want you to look at all the conflicts that start in a marriage because she doesn't like what I like or he doesn't want what I want. We need to understand, unless those differences are related to something sinful, those differences are not only okayed but preferred. But what Satan does is he takes these differences and he turns them into division. So how, we, how do we fight Satan's dividing schemes? We do that by unifying together in the marriage. So there's three ways to connect with your partner to create unity in the marriage. These are three. It's funny. I was praying about this, and 
this was literally yesterday. I had come to a part in the sermon where I was like, oh, I don't really have anywhere else to go. I started praying about it, and I was like, I know, God, you got to give me a direction. He gave me these three things, and I did not realize. I'm going to show you at the end how cool it was what he put together. So cool. I love God. God is so cool. He's so cool. Like, my God's really cool. Like, he, he's really cool. He wears sunglasses, and, you know, he's cool. That's how he talks to me. But we're going to look at the first one, first thing that will connect your partner in unity is spiritually. Spiritually getting connected. It's very, very important. I want to go back to the first wedding recorded in the Bible. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. That is why a man leaves his wife and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, so you notice unity, united, and then oneness, one flesh, okay? See, this was beautiful at this point in time in chapter 2 of, Gen of Genesis. God's plan was working perfectly, uh, and, and, and then Satan came along. I call him Slick in Genesis because you know he's a serpent. So I call him Slick. The Slick shows up, and what I need you to understand is all throughout Genesis chapter 2, this is really cool. I was talking to Mikey about this earlier. All through Genesis chapter 2, you see the Lord God. The Lord God, the Lord God, over and over again, okay? But I want you to look what Satan says to Eve in chapter 3, verse 1. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? I'm going to explain myself to you guys. Lord God. Lord God is the relational God. And this is said throughout chapter 2, constantly. What Satan does is he drops the word relation. When you say Lord God, that's relational God. Are y'all following me? When you just say God, that's powerful God. There's no relation there. It's powerful. You understand? But Lord God is relational God. See, Satan doesn't mind talking to anyone about religion if there's no relationship involved. Satan doesn't care at all if you come to church if there's no relationship involved. So what does Satan do? The first thing that he tries to do, and this is what he did to Adam and Eve, is he goes to Eve and he lies to her, and then Eve goes to Adam and she lies to him. It just all causes all this issue, and sin comes in, right? And it divides the couple, and it divides them away from God. Satan's a divider. That's his job. It's what he does. He wants to divide you not only from your spouse, but he wants to divide you from your family, your kids, your church, your pastor, your peers. That's how he fights. That's why that word says, do not deny the fellowship. You have to be connected. And here's the thing. When you can't be connected to anybody else, you can be connected to your spouse. Oneness. You have to have unity to fight Satan. This is a perfect example. When you don't have a relationship with God, like Adam and Eve, they messed up, they screwed up, and they tried to hide from God, sin creeps in. You have to have a strong relationship, husband and wife, with God to have that unity. Y'all follow me so far? That's some spiritual stuff. You know what I'm saying? Look, that's, 
So again, here in chapter 3, Satan, slick, gets Eve to disconnect with God. Then Eve gets Adam to do the same. So the next thing you know, Satan has divided them and sin shows up. Satan caused disunity by taking out relationship, Lord, like we talked about earlier, from God, which caused the division. Each spouse, again, you've got to have a relationship with God first to create that, that unity amongst yourself. So in order to grow in unity spiritually as a couple, you have to first realize your happiness and who you are is not identified by your spouse. That's your personal relationship with God. Follow me? That's who you are. Amanda is not Micah's wife. Micah is not Amanda's husband. We're God's partner first. Y'all follow that? She is my wife, though. Y'all don't be messing with my wife. <laughs> you knew that was coming? It's pretty bad. I'm getting to where people can call my shots. I might have to change it up a little bit. Other ways to unify spiritually with your spouse is communion. Uh, this is something that I know Don and Ann uh, Spadafora talk about this a lot. I know we've got some new people here today, so I'm going to explain because y'all heard me talk about Don twice. I haven't picked on him twice. Don is one of the elders at the church. He's a, he's a mentor of mine. Uh, we meet every week. Love that man to death. And Ann is his amazing wife, and thank God Ann's there. And uh, Don and Ann take communion, okay? You know, and for those of y'all... You know, they're big churchgoers. That's the bread and the wine thing, right? Okay, so Don and Ann do that. If not daily, I know weekly. That is a great spiritual connection to do that at your home with your wife or your husband, your spouse. It's a great connection. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Praying together. Okay, y'all heard me talk about this a million times, so I'm not just going to hone on it right now, but praying together, there is nothing stronger between a husband and a wife than bringing God in and praying together. There's nothing stronger. That's another way, again, that you can connect spiritually and have that unity with your spouse. Fasting together. Uh, there's different fastings that you can do. Uh, you, you can fast food or drink. You can stay away from that for a certain amount of time. You can have an isolation fast. Uh, that isolation fast, I actually recommend from time to time, but you do that with your spouse. You and your spouse get away, nobody else around. Go do your own thing for a couple days. Get out of town, whatever it may be, and completely disconnect from the outside world. Just y'all two. That's a, oh, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I know George and Mariska Escobar, they do this. They go up to this cabin where they have no cell phone connection whatsoever, and they stay two or three days. That's amazing. You know, I don't, I don't know what some people in here would do if I didn't have a cell phone connection. You know, you guys, you know, it, it's funny because that's my fault. And that leads me into the next one, which is fasting from personal possessions. Try putting your phone away for a day. You and your spouse. See what happens. It's amazing. Just think how much peace you have. Your phone's not blowing up 24-7. So fasting together, again, can bring that unity. There's one other fasting I want to talk about, and I don't want everybody to freak out when I say this, but there's also a fasting from sexual relations with your spouse. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Do not deprive each other for, uh, of, of 
sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, men, don't freak out if you notice it says, for a time. I know some of you guys are like, dude, you done got me out of hunting. You tell me to pray with my wife all the time. Now you're sitting here throwing this out at me. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've, I've, never, um, I've never showed that verse to Amanda. I don't plan on showing that verse to Amanda. In fact, first time I read it, I went straight to her Bible and ripped the page out. She don't even know where it's at. All kidding aside, guys, this moves us into the second way to create unity in your marriage, which is sexuality or sex. Okay, now listen, before we go any further. I am not ashamed whatsoever to stand on this stage in this church and talk about sex in this church because God created it. The problem is, is our world has taken that word and they've destroyed it. When I started talking about sexuality and sex just a second ago, I bet some of y'all cringed. I guarantee you, you did. Probably the most of you in here, especially because some of y'all just know my jokes. But guys, I need you to understand something. That's what the world's done to it. It is a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. There is no way that you will get more intimate and connected and unified with your partner than through sex. Now, we're a real church, and we're adults. I already looked around this room. We don't have many kids in here, and the ones that we have are old enough to hear some of this. And if not, I apologize, but here's the thing. They need to hear it, and here's why, because the church ain't teaching it. The church won't talk about it. They're scared to talk about it because they're scared. The pastor's scared he's going to get fired. You know what? I don't get paid, so y'all can fire me. <laughs> I'm going to talk about what I, well, I'm going to talk about what God wants me to talk about, okay? I was fixing to say what I want to talk about, but I'm not going to do that. But guys, it's so important that we talk about this and discuss this in the church. It's too important not to. If we don't discuss it with our kids and our teenagers today, the world's going to teach it to them. And they're going to cringe every time they hear the word. Am I right? That kid gets it. She's like, I ain't been here long, but I get it. I want to go back again to the first marriage. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We pulled this up a second ago. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, so the very first wedding, one flesh. Okay, you don't have to use your imagination. We know what that means. This was discussed in the first marriage, the very first one. That's how important it is, biblically. Understood? Jesus repeats this, by the way, in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. Paul also repeats it in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. I said this last week. I'll say it again. If the Bible continues to compete it or like just say the same thing over and over and over again, you, you need to take notice. It's important. Okay? I want to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. 
do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The last sentence of this verse, guys, I need y'all to understand something. Do y'all know what that tells me? If you're depriving your spouse from sex in a prideful way, Satan will attack. And a husband and a wife, they need it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you don't, you're going to lack self-control. You can't control yourself. I'm not trying to be nasty up here. I'm trying to be biblical. It's right there. It's so important in the marriage. And it unifies a husband and wife so strong. Y'all follow me? Can I move on? Very good. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I cannot believe he's been talking about this that long. I, I, I had some other things I was going to say. I'm skipping them. But I'm not going to say some of this stuff. The third way to create unity in your marriage is emotionally. Guys, don't freak out. Guys were like, man, I was all about the sexual thing you're talking about, but now we're, now we're on the emotional side of things. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I just looked at a dude's face, and he was like, not good. Like, <laughs> one way you can emotionally unify with your spouse is by being a peacemaker. I want to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Yes, this includes your spouse. See, a lot of people read this verse and like, oh, I can do that. And then they think of their spouse. They're like, oh, really? Like, you got to live in peace with them too? I mean, yes. If making every effort to be a peacemaker, regardless of how personal or offensive something might sound to you, sends a message to your spouse that you want to reconnect with love. Peace is love. God is love. God is peace. Therefore, peace is love. Understood? Another way to unify emotionally with your spouse is to extend grace. Me and Bojo or Mikey were just talking about this just a second ago. First Corinthians, I wanna, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. This is verses 4 through 8. Most of y'all will know this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I love that part. I love that part. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. One of the strongest ways to love is by showing mercy. By doing this, you're letting your spouse know that as long as they are willing to fight for your marriage with you and stick to your vows, you can show mercy during the hard times. That is what it means to love your spouse just like God loves you. God shows you amazing mercy, amazing grace. The next time that you're struggling with your spouse and they've messed up big time, they use that Christmas towel I talked about a couple weeks ago. Guys, 
Jesus Christ will show you so much mercy and grace. Why can't we do the same thing to our spouse? Above everybody else. That's what's funny is I see some people that will give more grace and mercy to others more than they'll give it to their own spouse or their children. I'm guilty of that. Very guilty of that. Those should be the first ones that you're able to just pour mercy out to. It will connect you in such a strong way. Emotionally. I don't want to talk about this next one, but I'm going to have to. The last way that you can emotionally unify with your spouse is communication. That one's tough, man. Us men don't like to talk about things, right? That's all ladies like to do. They just want to talk about it. Us men, we want to take action. They just want us to listen. It's hard to do. I mean, am I the only man in here, like when my wife is telling me about her problem, the first thing that comes in my head is how to fix it. That's not what she wants. She just wants you to listen. That's it. Communication is key in all relationships. I want you to think how important it is in your relationship with God. Prayer. What if you didn't have prayer? What if that did not exist? How are you going to communicate with God? Communication is huge, guys. I'm so glad that God's given us that gift. Husbands and wives should always confide in each other. You need to make time for communication. If, if, and you got to create that. And I know it's hard. We have a busy life and all that kind of stuff. But there is no one else on this earth more important than your spouse. So why don't you make that time and create that time to be with your spouse to communicate? Couples do it differently. I know I always talk about me and Amanda, but that's because my wife is awesome. We put time aside in the morning to pray together, and then in the evening, we literally do, we send our kids up, and we have about 30 to 40 minutes of me time, just me and her. That's our time to communicate. We'll literally go out on the back porch and grab a glass of wine, and we'll sit out there, and we'll just vent. It's a great connection. And I know that's hard for us men to do, and that's why I, I take a glass of wine or a beer with me. <laughs> How many times have you seen a marriage... I want y'all think about this. Many times have you seen a marriage that the parents don't communicate for years? Now, I know they say hi in the morning and bye when they go to work and, you know, I love you. And, you know, they go through the motions of communication. But then the kids grow up and they move out. There's no connection. And they get a divorce. 
How many times have you seen that? You have to communicate and get that connection with your spouse because God hates divorce. I've been receiving a lot of questions the last two weeks since we started this series about divorce. I preached a sermon on this. It's been a year ago. And I, I feel that I need to preach it again because a lot of people are asking questions about that. Now, here's the thing. I'm just going to be honest with you. It makes me sick that I have to preach that sermon again. There's too many people that give up too easily. And a big reason why is because of lack of communication. There's no connection. There's no relationship. so important guys take time and make time to communicate with your spouse amen I want you to notice two things from this list that I'm fixing to pull up don't pull it up yet don't pull it up yet you get quick man you get trigger happy I have to watch you every once in a while these three ways to unify the Christian marriage. I told you at the beginning that God showed me something when he gave me these three, and I did not realize it at all, but it's pretty darn cool. Go ahead, Nick. Now you can pull it up. Spiritually is God, sexually is man, emotionally is woman. Am I right? Spiritual, sexual, and emotional. God is a spiritual being, man is a sexual being, and women are emotional beings. Isn't God cool? Didn't even know he did that. Like, that was so cool. He's so smart. It's a good thing, because I'm not. I walk into it all the time. Like, I'm going to start praying that I don't walk into stuff like that anymore. See, I don't pray about that when I'm standing up here, but I'm going to start praying about that. It take a lot of prayer. When I fix a sandwich... Why is that funny? Why are y'all laughing at that? <laughs> I do too. I love carbs. I love carbs. I ate a bunch of carbs last night, a bunch of lasagna. Anyway, so when I fix a sandwich, I like mayonnaise on my sandwich. Who, 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 who likes mayonnaise on their sandwich? Show of hands. Who likes mustard? Yeah, you people are evil. <laughs> Spiritual people eat mayonnaise, okay? The problem with mayonnaise is it has ingredients that don't get along. It's oil and water. You can't, no matter how much you try to put that together, you all know what I'm talking about. You've seen it before where you put oil and water in a glass and it separates. You can't get it together. It won't connect. There's got to be a connector. And in mayonnaise... It's one of my favorite foods. It's the egg. I love some eggs, man. Love some eggs. See, so you, you take the egg and you take the oil and you take the mayonnaise and, and you mix it all together and the egg connects the oil and the mayonnaise. Man, I can taste that sandwich right now. Like, that's just a, <laughs> some turkey on that thing. Man, sexual being, woman, emotional being, God is the connector. Y'all feel me? 
allow God to be that connector in your marriage. Allow God to unite husband and wife. Amen. Grab a pen and paper. Get y'all to write this down. I don't know why I put this on the piano over here, Flob. It's on your instrument. That make you mad? I move it, man. I'm sorry. Flob, like, don't touch my piano. Don't touch my drum set. I don't know what y'all laughing at. Pastors never watched that movie before. Go ahead, Nick. The highest representation of God is a united husband and wife. Amen?